Grace and peace, everyone, and welcome to KNEC Sermons, a podcast of Kurt Newton and East Calder, Church of Scotland. And let's listen to today's episode. Good morning everyone and welcome to our time to worship together. Come and give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Come and sing his praises. Come and declare with me that God is good. Come and tell everyone about his wonderful deeds. Come and seek the Lord and his strength. Come and worship God. And to the tune of the Sky Book Song, This is Spirit of God, unseen as the wind. Oh, 
Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Saviour, and my hope is in you all day long. Let us pray together. O great love, Heavenly Father, maker of heaven and earth and ground of our being, we come today, as in every day, to worship you, to sing your praise and to know once more the love which never fails. Giver of life and peace, we marvel at your hand in creation. For the beauty of the earth, we stand in awe and wonder. Maker of stars and galaxies, of rivers and mountains, of hills and glens, what are we that you should think of us? And yet you made us, in your image you formed us. We bless you, God, for the mystery of Christ, God with us. We praise you, God, for the example of Jesus, your word in flesh, and for his life, death and resurrection, in which we live and move and have our being. Lord Jesus, you taught that we must be quick to forgive one another as you have forgiven us. Forgive us for all that we have done wrong or omitted to do, and for the unkind words and thoughts. Take our sins and nail them to your cross. Bury them in your tomb. And in our confession, may we turn and be raised with you in the spirit of forgiveness to new life and new patterns of living. In the baby steps we take, may your light shine in us and through us that we may see all things by the light of Christ, the light of goodness and peace, to life everlasting. Lead us now by the hand of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known amongst the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. O descendants of Abraham, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever, the word he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you will inherit. Praise the Lord. Thanks be to God for this reading from his word. Every morning when I wake I get ready, I get ready Got my armour for the day Get ready this way, this way. I know you're with me every step I take. Oh, this way, this way. I know you're with me every step I take. 
Levin said to him, Just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I'll work for you for seven years in return for your younger daughter Rachel. Laban said, It's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, 
give me my wife. My time is completed and I want to lie with her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob and Jacob lay with her. And Laban gave his servant girl Zilpah to his daughter as her maidservant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Thanks be to God for this reading from his holy word. Let's pray together before we think about the story of uh, Jacob and Rachel and, and Leah and Laban from Genesis 29. Father God, thank you for your word. Help us to make connections with our lives to this ancient story where we can find out truths of you and about how our lives are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the stories in the book of Genesis are real-life human stories which we can all relate to. They're a bit like soap operas in many ways. In fact, I heard this week that uh, the soap opera EastEnders, which is really popular, of course, and has been for years, has a team of theological advisors, and they often use the book of Genesis as inspiration for their story sets. So real-life dramas. And of course, these stories also manage to teach us something of God and how God and people relate. We can find ourselves in the stories. Even in the midst of human drama and dysfunction, God can be found because God is Emmanuel, God with us. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story of how Rebecca met Isaac and became his wife. Well, after that, Rebecca and Isaac had a problem. They wanted to have a child, but they couldn't. And this went on for some 20 years. They carried that burden of disappointment and pain for 20 years, as many people do today. Now, the Bible tells us that Isaac prayed about this. And eventually, Rebecca became pregnant when Isaac was around 60 years of age. Although the Bible tells us that it's Isaac that prays, we, I'm sure Rebecca prayed about it too. There's so much of the Bible language is written from a male perspective. And we often gloss over the role of women. Rebecca was probably much younger, um, but certainly 20 years past the age of her marriage. So Isaac was about 60 years old and Rebecca was probably a bit younger, but she's certainly 20 years past being married to Isaac. We can see something about how God answers prayer. It might not be immediately. It took them a long time. And so after 20 years, Rebecca becomes pregnant with a child. We don't know if it was a painful pregnancy, but we do know that the twins that she was carrying had a great struggle. 
And God tells Isaac and Rebekah that the sons Rebekah is carrying will become two nations, two peoples that will, who will always struggle with each other. One will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Esau and Jacob, the twins, are born and even the circumstances of their birth indicate how they're going to be. Esau is red and hairy, a wild man, a sort of hunter. And Jacob comes out second, grasping Esau's heel, a sign that he will be a bit of a deceiver in later life. Yet it's, yet it's through him that God's blessing appears strongest. God's blessing can flow through all sorts of people, misfits, deceivers, sinners. There's no one, it seems, that is outside of God's realm or kingdom. And even in the struggle between Jacob and Esau, we can see how in the end they come together to bury their father when, he, when Isaac dies and make peace with each other after years of fear and hostility. We can see in this that God is the maker of that peace and the source of unity for every strained relationship. But things weren't easy between Jacob and Esau for a long time. Perhaps you've got a relationship in your own family or friend set that is like that. One of the stories that we, had, we didn't read today was tells us that uh, one day Esau sells his birthright to Jacob because he comes in starving after being out hunting and uh, he's desperate for food. He's desperate for a plate of stew, the Bible tells us. Esau wasn't looking at the long-term implications of his actions. He wanted a quick fix there and then. And Jacob famously steals their father's blessing with his mother's help when he pretends to be Esau, the oldest son. Pretense and favouritism in the family, not good. And Esau hated Jacob because of that and he planned then to kill him. We're told that Rebekah gets wind of Esau's plan and because Jacob was Rebekah's favourite, she plots to send Jacob away to her brother Laban. And it's on the way there that Jacob has a dreamy encounter with God in which God says clearly to him, know that I am with you and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Jacob needed to hear that word. In the midst of fear for his own life, on the run from his brother who's out to kill him, he needed that word of reassurance, that word of God's presence with him. He needed to know that that God promised to be with him wherever he would go. That is the most significant and important promise that any of us can, can hear, that God is with us even in the midst of what it is we're going through. Whatever trial, whatever fear, whatever stress, whatever worry, whatever anxiety, whatever joys even, that God is with us. God is Emmanuel. And Jesus says to his disciples in the end of Matthew's Gospel, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. God even tells um, Jacob in the dream when he's on the run, that all peoples of the earth will be blessed through him. 
and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. There was a cosmic element to Jacob's life. God says to him, your life has significance. It means so much more than what you can presently see. It can influence way beyond what you can imagine. Life is like that for all of us. And so no wonder Jacob is able to get up from that dream and walk on into the unknown future with confidence. Because by the time he gets near to where Laban lives, he finds himself at the well where people gather to water their flocks. And he has the confidence to roll back the stone covering the well so that Rachel, when she appears, can water her father's sheep. Jacob can't understand why the local shepherds are waiting till all the flocks are gathered before watering the sheep. He tells them it would be better to water them and then let the sheep out to pasture rather than all gather together at once. It seems that Jacob has a good sense of how to look after sheep. Sounds like he was a good shepherd. And that comes out later in the story when he becomes very successful looking after Laban's flocks. Another sign of God's blessing everything he did. God works through Jacob to bless others. God works through us to bless one another. So Jacob meets Rachel and goes back with her to meet Uncle Laban. And after staying there a month, Laban suggests to Jacob that he should be paid for his work even though he is a relative. A worker deserves her pay. Jacob is clearly in love with Rachel and suggests he works seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage. Laban agrees to this, but there's a problem that they all know but no one mentions. Rachel is the youngest daughter. Leah would need to marry first. That was the convention. Jacob doesn't talk about it. Maybe he wasn't aware about it, though I suspect he was. Maybe he was hoping Laban would overlook it and do what he agreed to. Jacob the deceiver was about to be on the receiving hand of deceit. He was about to be deceived himself. He was about to get a taste of his own medicine. Was the ancient wisdom coming back to meet him? Whoever digs a pit will fall into it and a stone will come back on the one who starts it rolling. Do not be mocked, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for you reap whatever you sow. What goes around comes around. So for seven years Jacob worked and the time flew by because his heart was full of love for Rachel. It seems like days, not seven years. We can know what that's like when we fall in love or when we discover our true purpose. We give our everything to it and the time seems to fly past. We don't count the cost. We just keep working towards the prize at the end. Like Paul who says in the letter to the Philippians, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul discovered his purpose. Jace, Jacob has got a, a, a goal to aim for. We can discover our purpose too in God. God has given us a true purpose in setting our sights on heavenly things in Christ as Christ lives with us and in us. So for Jacob, at the end of the seven years, Laban pulls a fast one 
and presents him with Leah, not Rachel. You have to ask yourself, how could he spend his wedding night with the wrong woman and not know it until it was too late? Well, perhaps it's better not to dwell on the mechanics of that. But Laban, the shrewd businessman, agrees to let Jacob have Rachel, as well as Leah, on condition that he work another 14 years. I'm conscious that I've been presenting this from a, a very male perspective. What would Rachel and Leah have thought about things? Jacob loved Rachel more than he loved Leah. How would you feel if you were Leah, unloved, rejected, second best? Perhaps you felt that before in the past, perhaps you feel it now. Sure, Jacob had felt that too. Esau had been Isaac's favourite and now he too had a favourite. God, on the other hand, doesn't have favourites. God shows no partiality. Favouritism, we know, can cause so much dysfunction in families and God is seen acting to address that sin. God's treating of all people equally means that God is the most all-embracing and inclusive concept that there is. And so the kingdom of God rejoices in that equality and growth towards oneness. God has no sense of bias on no grounds, no superiority of one race over another, black or white, or on the grounds of gender, though much of the Bible is written from a male dominated perspective, that's not God. Nor on the grounds of sexuality. Jesus said virtually nothing about sexuality, so we'd be treading on thin ice to claim that there's only one way for humans to be sexual in the world. Nor on the grounds of religion. There was no sense that Jesus supported one religion over another. The kingdom of God was and is way above that. Jesus lived and died to bring an end to favouritism and show the world a new way to be in the world. Christ lives in us to write a new story of unity and love and forgiveness. In the midst of all our dysfunctionality, God has entered our lives to be with us and to bring the heavenly vision of the kingdom of peace and unity. Thanks be to God. Amen. Come, let us pray together. Thank you, God, that you love us despite our mishaps and even our deliberate sins. Thank you that you never give up on us, never leave us nor abandon us, though we often give up on you. Thank you that you are all we need for all eternity. Thank you that you hold the keys of life and death. Thank you that in you alone our joy is found. Thank you for the beauty in the earth. Help us to care for creation, to consider how we use the earth's resources, and to change our lifestyles in order to preserve the life of the planet and its peoples, plants and living creatures. Be near to all who suffer this day, O Lord, those who suffer in body or mind, 
or who face anxiety or bereavement. We thank you for advancements in medical science and for positive signs of a COVID vaccine. Guide those working to find a solution to this virus, we pray. Grant them success. Thank you for those who lead and bless those who govern the nations with your heavenly wisdom and compassion, justice and integrity. Help us all to pay attention to what's happening in the world and to hold leaders and politicians to account where and when necessary. Loving God, we pray for a world where there is freedom for the oppressed and justice to those harshly treated on the grounds of race, gender or sexuality. Be with all who are persecuted or made to feel small for whatever reason. Guide your church, Lord, especially through this time of great change, that she be more and more the beacon of hope and light you mean her to be. Give us all the courage to change the things we need to change, that we may become more like Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One, as we live in and by the same Spirit. And hear us, Lord, as we bring all our prayers together in the way Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. I'd just like to say thank you to everybody for their thoughts and prayers at this time. I'm recovering steadily following my accident and it's just good to know that there's so many people thinking about me. Thanks very much. I know some of us are wondering when we might get back into our buildings to worship God together physically in that way. And it's something that we are looking looking into and, and meeting regularly and talking about and, and carrying out a risk assessment. And uh, But the answer is not yet at the moment. We don't think it's quite safe enough to, to have large gatherings, but, but that's going to come soon, I'm sure. Um, so we continue to, to look into that. It's not, I say that not from a place of fear, but from a place of faith and believe it's the right thing to do. But join, join with us today, if you can, online uh, on Zoom. It's 11 o'clock and also slightly after that on Facebook Live. It'd be good to be together, at least in that way today. And watch out for details of the Holiday Club. There's a slide on the screen. Uh, sign up for that. Email uh, me if you want to sign up your child or if you know a child that's interested. I see the stars, 
I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and see the blue and feel the gentle and sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, oh, how great thou art. And sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. God, His Son, not sparing, sent Him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. And sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. How great thou
And so as we go now from this moment, as we go into the future together, may we treasure one another, may we realise how precious we are. And held in God's eternal embrace, may we know the blessing of God, now and always. Amen. Thanks for listening everyone, you've been listening to KNEC Sermons. You can find more information on our website www.knec4jesus.org.uk Look forward to hearing and seeing you again. Grace and peace.